If you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to John, John chapter 6, and verse number 1, John chapter 6, and verse number 1. My wife and I, we, we're, we're foodies, we like to try food, and, and uh, that's one thing that England doesn't have, so we need your prayers about that. Um, and so, you know, England is not known for their cuisine, but, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll be able to bless others with my wife's good cooking and invite people over and the Lord will use that. Uh, but, you know, beans on toast for breakfast just isn't my thing. But uh, if you would, please uh, pray for us about that. John chapter 6 and verse number 1. And the Bible says here, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, And a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, sir, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained, over and above unto them that had eaten. Then those men which they had... When they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet, that should come into the world. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And we thank you, Lord, that we can be here in your house tonight with your people. And we pray, Lord, that you would please uh, use your word to speak to us and challenge us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If we were to title this uh, message tonight, it would be give what you have to the master or little as much in the hands of the master. And here we see this story of Jesus going over the Sea of Galilee and, and he had intended uh, to, to get apart, to rest. And uh, over in the, uh, in the counterpart passage in Mark chapter 6 and verse 31 Uh, we can see that he tells his disciples to come apart into a desert place and rest a while. And so Jesus had plans to to come apart. Uh, They had been doing ministry and and working with people and they needed some time for rest. And rest in ministry is important that we take rest so that we can continue in our service to the Lord. But at at this point in time, as they came apart to rest, uh, the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 33 that the people saw them departing and many knew him and ran a foot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion on them, uh, with compassion toward them, because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd. 
And he began to teach them many things. And so Jesus had intended to come apart to rest. Jesus had intended to take some time with his disciples and, and, and have some R&R there and, and to come apart from ministry. But when he saw this, all the people come to him and he saw all the people uh, flocking to him, Jesus didn't waste a ministry opportunity. And that's, that's a challenge to all of us that even when we are tired, even though when we are weary, to take advantage of the ministry opportunities that God gives us. We are not to be weary in well-doing, but we are to continue, and because in due season we will reap if we faint not. Jesus took this opportunity to minister to them, not only uh, by ministering to them physically, but also spiritually. And it tells us in Mark chapter 6 that he taught them many things. But we see here in this passage of John chapter 6, a story of a lad with five barley loaves and two small fishes. Doesn't sound like much, does it? Doesn't sound like uh, much in the way of, of food to feed such a crowd. Five barley loaves and two small fishes. You know, Jesus began to uh, minister to the, these people spiritually, but also physically. And there are several people that he used in this story I see, first of all, that uh, we see Philip in, in verse number six of this passage. We see, or sorry, in verse number five, it says that Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. You know, sometimes Jesus will test us, won't he? Sometimes the Lord will test us. He will test our faith. And I praise the Lord that God does test our faith because faith is like a muscle. And if we do not test our faith, if our faith is never tested, how is it going to grow? And here we have uh, this disciple, Philip, who had obeyed the voice of God, who followed Christ when he called him. Uh, we can go and we can see passage of scripture, how that Jesus called unto Philip in John 1, verse 43. And he said unto him, follow me. And Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And, and when Jesus said, follow me to Philip, Philip followed him. And Philip not only followed Jesus, but he also found somebody else to follow Jesus. In verse number 45 of John 1, it says, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so Philip was somebody who was obedient to the voice of God. Philip was somebody who was a disciple of God, a follower of God, and, and he had shown that in his life. And he wasn't just a personal follower of Jesus Christ, but there was a evidence of his disciple. There was an evidence of God's work in his life. He didn't just follow Jesus alone, but he brought somebody else with him. And he found, he found Nathaniel and, and said, come and see, come and see this one who Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then we see Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. If you look with me in verse number 8, it says, Andrew, and one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Andrew has a similar testimony in that Andrew was a follower of John. Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. And uh, even before Jesus Christ came, he was following his forerunner. And he was listening and, and, and following that teaching that there was a Messiah coming. And, and he heard the, the preaching of, of John the Baptist. And he followed John the Baptist. But when John in John uh, 136 said, Behold the Lamb of God. Andrew stopped following John the Baptist. He said, this is the Messiah. I'm going to follow him. And Andrew has a similar testimony to Philip in that 
he too not only believed, but he went and found somebody else to bring to Jesus. He believed that this was the Messiah. If you'll turn over there to John chapter 1 with me real quick. John chapter 1 and verse number 36, it says, And looking upon Jesus as he walked, John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. They came and saw where he dwelled and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And so here we see that Andrew, he too, uh, he, when Jesus said, follow him, he followed Christ. When he heard, that, when he heard that, uh, that Jesus was the Son of God, when he heard that he was the Lamb of God, he followed Jesus Christ. And uh, he not only did follow Jesus, but he went and found his brother Peter. And we know much about Peter from the Scriptures. And, and uh, sometimes we can uh, be hard on Peter and we can say, you know, Peter was impetuous and all these things. And uh, Peter is spoken of much in the New Testament, but his brother Andrew is not spoken much of in the New Testament. But what we know of him, boy, it's commendable. What we know of him and his character, it's commendable because he, he, he was an earlier, early believer. And, when, and when, he, when he heard that Jesus was the Son of God, he said, I want to follow him. And he testified that he was the Christ. He was the Christ. And so here we have these two individuals that, that were followers, early followers of Jesus Christ. Those that had uh, believed that he was the Messiah and here, the Lord Jesus is testing them. He's testing their faith. You know, and I praise the Lord in my own life for his testing of my faith. Jesus said to them, these people need to be fed. And he said, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said this to prove them. You know, sometimes God will bring us into situations that if we look at the situation, there's no logical way out of it. There's no logical way through it. There's no logical answer to it. And God will bring us into situations where all we can do is to trust him. And if we try to, to walk in our own strength, if we try to do it in our own power, we're going to fall flat on our face. You know, sometimes in, in our Christian life, uh, we can be lifted up in pride and think, boy, I've got this, I can do this, uh, I, I have this in my own power and my own strength. But the Bible tells us that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, we, may, we may come to situations in our life where the Lord tests our faith and, and, we, and we get seized up with fear. But we know according to 2 Timothy 1.7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so we are not to live as Christians in fear, but we are, and we are not to live in pride, but we are to live in faith. And here, the, the, these disciples who were followers of Christ, who had made that decision to follow him by faith, their faith was being tested. Let me ask you tonight, in your own personal life, are you trusting the Lord? Are you, are you doing what you're doing because it's comfortable? I think back to my, to my life, and, 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 and it's, you know, I'm comparing now uh, my current life to when uh, we served at Bethlehem Baptist Church and the things that we did there, but I have seen God do so many things from that point to now that, 
uh, can, only God can explain. I've seen God uh, provide in ways that, only, that can only be explained by the power of God. If you were to ask me years ago if I would be a missionary, I would have said, no way. But I, it's a testament to the power of God. It's a testament to uh, God's, God, God's enabling power. And we see here in, in this passage of Scripture that the Lord Jesus said unto them, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And, and I like, I, I, I identify there with what Philip said. Philip said that 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. And, and uh, grow, you know, being in a, uh, working for an oil and gas company, doing some analyst work, reviewing contracts, doing financial work, uh, I can understand that, that we begin to sometimes look at a situation with our own logic. We begin to look at things, uh, you know, trying to figure it out and sort it out in our own power. But the Lord was saying, no, it's, it's not going to be able to be explained. You're not going to be able to solve this problem by, by looking at it from a monetary standpoint. You're not going to be able to solve this problem by looking at it from, with logical eyes. You have to have eyes of faith. The Bible tells us that, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And as a Christian, we ought to remind ourselves that what our Christian life is not to be lived with what is logical. We are not to live our Christian life uh, by emotion. We are not to live our, our Christian life in comfort or live our Christian life by, by what we think we know, but according to the Word of God and faith in what the Word of God has to say. We are to live our uh, daily lives as a walk of faith following the Lord. And here we see He tests them and, and, uh, and He asks them this question. And Andrew, he found somebody who had five loaves and two small fishes. And it says in verse number nine, there is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? You see, Andrew, who also was a follower of Jesus, when he was, fa when he was faced with this test of his faith, he didn't believe that Christ had the ability to feed the thousands that were there that day. He didn't believe that Christ had the ability to, to satisfy the needs of all the hungry that were there that day. And he was looking at it not through eyes of faith, not through eyes and, and belief that God could do this, but he was looking at it from a physical standpoint. But he had found a lad with five loaves and two small fishes. The Bible doesn't tell us if this lad offered up his lunch. The Bible doesn't say that uh, this lad came forward with his lunch, but it, we know that he didn't run away with his lunch. Uh, we know that he didn't, you know, go off and, and to, uh, apart from the crowd and, and, and say, you know, this, this lunch is mine. I'm not going to share it with the crowd. No, he, he shared that lunch with, uh, the, with Jesus and the disciples that day. We know that he didn't take what he had and say, no, this is mine. And, you know, if we were to make an application tonight, I believe that we could say we all have something to offer the Lord. If we were to make an application tonight, I believe that we could say that we all have something big or small, whatever, that we can offer to Jesus. And, you know, compared to the crowd that day, the, the lunch the, of five loaves and two small fishes, it didn't seem like much. It didn't seem like that it, was, it would make a difference or an impact, but when he gave it to Christ, it did. You know, you may look at your own life and you may think, well, I don't know what difference I could make with my life. You may think, if you looked at your life, you may think, well, I've only got, uh, I've only got you know, one and a half loaves and a half of a fish. What could God do with that? I think back to a, I think back to a girl that rode on 
the bus as a kid. Um, I, I rode on the bus and helped my dad in the bus ministry as a kid, and there was a girl that uh, we picked up from a broken home, and, and this girl had gone through a lot of trauma, and um, she had a sister that also came to church with her, and this girl had, had been uh, submitted to some abuse from her mother, and, and her mom would get angry with her and her sister, and, and one time when she got angry with, with this girl, she took her hand and she put her hand in, in boiling water. And so this, this young girl who rode on the bus, she had uh, scars on her hand and up her arm. And I remember, I remember seeing that and hearing that story. And, and through the years, through no, support of, through, through no support of her mom, through no support of, I don't even believe her father was in the picture, she continued to come to church. She continued to, uh, she got saved. Uh, she got baptized and grew in the Lord. And through the years, she continued faithfully growing in the Lord. She ended up going to Bible college and married a, a missionary son, uh, a multi-generational missionary son, and, and she became a missionary's wife herself and was instrumental in, in going to Israel and, and, and going to Russia. And now her husband is a pastor of a Spanish church in California. But if you were to look at her life as a child, you would say, it's not much. What, what could God do with, with your life? You're just, you're just coming on the bus. You're, uh, you're coming from a broken family. Uh, you know, what, what do you have to offer? But you know, whatever we have to offer can be made much in the hands of the master. There is nothing too little. There is no gift too little in the hands of the master. Do you realize that whatever you have in your hand, whatever, whoever you are and whatever you have is not too little or insignificant to Christ? You know, often our response is the same as Andrew's. What are they among so many? What, what difference will my life make? What difference will my surrender make? What difference will it make if I follow the Lord in obedience in this area of my life? I know that God is wanting more of my life. I know that God is asking more of my life, but my life is comfortable here where it's at. My life, it, I like the, the sameness of my life and the consistency of my life. If I follow the Lord in faith in this area, I don't know that, that what he will do and I don't know what the outcome of that will be. Well, let me say you can trust the hand of the master. You can trust the Lord with your life. What a blessing it is to be able to trust the Lord with our life. You know, a gift given to God is a gift well given and there's no one better to give a gift too. In verse 10, verses 10 through 12, we see that when his lunch was given to Jesus Christ, we see that Jesus said in verse number 10, make the men sit down. And now there was much grass in the place. And the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. And so this, this small lunch, this small lunch that was five loaves and two fishes, it not only fed this, this lad, it not only filled him and, and satisfied his hunger, but it also satisfied the hunger of all those that were present that day. And there were 5,000 men in addition to others that were there, and, and they all sat down and they were all filled as much as they would. And when they were filled, he said unto his, unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. You know, this, this lunch that was meant to satisfy the hunger of one satisfied the hunger of many. 
And let me tell you tonight that if you will give your life to Christ, I'm not just talking about salvation. It is important that there is that point in your life where you have given your life to Christ. When you have by faith believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, turn from your own way and turn to him. And until you have done that, you're not going to, to see God do anything with your life. But let me tell you, as a Christian, in your Christian life, you too must live by faith. You too have to make decisions and steps of faith. We cannot live in, in comfort or in, uh, in what we think we know in logic or emotion, but we li- must live a life of faith. And when we do, God will get the glory. When we do, we will see the needs of others met. We will see, the, we will see God do a miracle in and through our lives. When we give of what we have, God gets the glory. When we by faith believe that God can and take him at his word, uh, God will show himself mighty and strong. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, if you'll turn over there, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 19 we see the testimony of Abraham and how that he believed God. Romans chapter 4 and verse number 19, it says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Let me ask you tonight, do you believe God? Do you believe, do you believe that God can use your life? Do you believe that God is using your life? Are you living a life of faith in Him? You see, Abraham, he was not weak in his faith. I can tell you tonight, there have been times in my life that I have been weak in faith. There have been times in my life that I have even allowed fear to enter in my life and to allow me to, that, it, that has hindered me in my walk with the Lord. But Abraham, he gives testimony of not being weak in faith, not considered his known body now dead. You see, Abraham was beyond uh, those years of what we would think of being able to uh, father a child, and yet he did. Sarah was beyond those childbearing years, and yet she did bear a child. Here's the key. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Little is much when God is in it. Let me tell you tonight that time and time again, we can see God take lives. God take uh, a, a five loaves and two fishes, or God take a life like the life of Moses who, who, who killed somebody. And then he led the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt and, and through, the, through the desert and through the wilderness and into the promise. We see him leading them up to the point of leading them into the promised land. We see God taking somebody like a Paul who was a persecutor of Christians and the gospel, the power of the gospel rescued him and God using him in a great and mighty way. We see God taking people like, uh, like Cornelius, who was a centurion and turning his life around. We see God taking somebody like Mary Magdalene and others and turning their life around. And that is the power of the gospel. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. A gift given to God is never wasted. I love what Jesus said in verse number 12. Gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. All those that come unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Anything given to the Lord, uh, he's not going to waste it. Boy, you, you give into this world system, it could be wasted. It could be lost overnight. I remember... When I worked at Chesapeake, there was a lady who, uh, she was near her retirement, and 
And uh, she had been investing for years uh, through the 401k program there at Chesapeake and had quite a nest egg saved. And then uh, COVID hit. And thankfully, she pulled all of her money out and put it into secure savings because her money within, within a day, she lost thousands of dollars. You know, that's, that's how this world system is. You invest in this world system and things can be gone like that. There is, no, there is no eternity there. There is no uh, permanence there. There is nothing uh, that will be valuable long term in this world system. But if you invest in the things of God, if you set your affection on things above, if you lay up treasures in heaven, boy, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, those things are eternal. They will not d- evaporate. They will not dissipate. They will not be gone. But when we get to heaven, we will receive rewards of our investment. Someday... Those five loaves and two fishes that you gave to the Lord, you'll receive reward for in heaven. And, and that, is a, that is a picture of our lives. Those five loaves and two fishes, it's a picture of our life. It's a picture of our investment in other people. It's a picture of our, uh, of our walk of faith in this Christian life. And if you will invest in the things of God and give those things to the, to the Lord, you'll see God do great and mighty things. And when you stand before the Lord someday, you're not going to stand before him empty handed. Boy, it ought to be each and every one of us, our desire that we wouldn't stand before the Lord empty handed. If we would give to him of what we have, if we would give to the Lord, whether it be whether we think it big or small, no matter the size, if we would give it to the Lord and say, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, here's my life. Use my life. Lord, here here is what I have. And I ask that you would use it. God will take it and he will bless it and he will multiply it. And he will ensure that nothing be lost. This little lad, he, he gave his five loaves and two fishes. And so many, so much, it was multiplied to such an extent that there was enough that 12 baskets were remaining. I don't know what impact those 12 baskets of food had. We know what the primary and initial impact was. We know that the crowd was fed that day and they were satisfied but we don't even know the secondary and the, the, the third and fourth benefits of, the, of his gift uh, had and, and what impact it made. But we know this, that Jesus said, nothing will be lost. Nothing will be lost. No gift given to the Lord will be wasted. C.T. Studd said in this statement, only one life will too soon be passed. He said... Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life, the still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow thy word to keep, faithful and true, whate'er the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life, yes, only one, now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I'll know I'll say, 
'twas worth it all. Only one life twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let me ask you tonight: Is that your heart? Is that your heart that you would give of what you have to the Lord? Are you living a life of commitment, of faith, and are you have you offered up to the Lord of what you have, big or small, no matter the size? God can use it. Little is much when God is in it. I think of this passage, and we'll look over there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, how that in this chapter of grace giving, how that this church, they gave of what they had and how God used them. It wasn't much, and here we, we, we think of in 2 Corinthians 8 how that it's a, a financial gift, but there is a much broader application here because we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 5 that it's more than a financial gift that they gave. And the Macedonians... They gave it themselves, and that is the key. In verse number 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. You see, what that boy did that day is he offered up his lunch. He didn't take it. He didn't run away with it. He didn't hide it. He didn't keep it for himself. We, We looked at that this morning, that we are to give when it is in the power of our hand to do it, that we are not to withhold good from those to whom it is due. And, and the Lord is due so much. The Lord has given us so much. And we know that scripturally we, we are to give the Lord of our tithes. We know that scripturally we, we ought to give to the Lord our offerings to show our love. But there is so much more that the Lord is worth. He gave his own very life for us. And, and we ought to give our lives to him. You see, this Macedonian church, just like the lad, was used in a great way because they got a hold of this fact that they needed to give of themselves to the Lord. And as your pastor mentioned this morning about putting yourself in the offering plate, I've used that illustration before, but we must. We must place ourselves in that offering plate and say, Lord, here am I from my head to my toe. Lord, I give you every part of me and not hold anything back. Have you done that in your life? Have you given of yourself to the Lord? Because if you will do that, as we see in verse number 3 of 2 Corinthians 8, it says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They were willing of themselves, not only to their power, but beyond their power. This church, they gave of what they had. They gave of themselves, but they were willing beyond their power. And let me tell you tonight that God can do things beyond your power, beyond your ability, just like he did with that lad's loaves and and fish. He can do things in your life, too that can't be explained, that, that will not be done in your power, not be done in your strength, but will be done for the glory of God. Amen. Give of what you have to the Master. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, we'll close in prayer. Let us ask ourselves that question. Have I given of what I have to the Master?